You're here with me on episode 168. Have you heard the long list of carnivore diet benefits? They range from incurable diseases, autoimmune disease, digestive issues, mental health. The list really does go on. I've heard so much about it and so I decided to try it, make myself the guinea pig so that I could do this podcast and give it to you as a resource for someone that has actually tried it rather than just has an academic opinion. If you're looking to learn more about what actually happens when eating loads of meat, whether it's healthy or not, what to expect, and a little on how to go about it, then stay right here and let's talk about what I'm calling the dinosaur diet. (laughs) Oh, and at the end, I'll give you my thoughts on whether or not I think you should give it a go too. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? In 2022, it's my mission to coach 300 people to get control of their emotional eating so that you can lose weight and actually keep it off without counting calories, because that's super triggering, or eating rabbit food, because that's super boring. (laughs) (laughs) And I just want to do a quick shout out to the inspiring group of women that are going through my program right now because all of these amazing women have been so incredibly courageous and willing to do the work to understand why all of the diets in the past didn't work for them, why they yo-yoed, why they went in and out of weight gain and weight loss and weight gain and weight loss and digestive issues and more problems accumulated over the years and how to actually make change that lasts for the long term, not just the length of the program. And that leads me to mention also the Consistency Club, which you may have never heard about before. So people say to me, Maddie, you always talk about yo-yo and fad diet culture, but then you offer a program that is the length of most diet programs. <laughs> I'm confused. What are you doing, bro? <laughs> and look, fair enough. I would, I would be like, that's a totally reasonable thing to say. That's why I'm introducing you to... The Consistency Club. That's exactly why I have this ongoing monthly membership called The Consistency Club, which is all about making sure that we have plenty of time and space for you to be able to create this new lifestyle and have the support of myself and the beautiful community of humans in there to have your back the whole entire journey. Because guess what? It doesn't. Life doesn't always go perfectly. Nutrition journeys don't always go perfectly, even for me, right? So we all need support. We need like-minded people. And more importantly, these groups are a place to connect with other people that actually care about their health. Sometimes we don't have that at home. And so after a program is over, we then slip into the behaviors that we we're in before because we're not surrounded by the right people. Remember, as Tony Robbins says, you are the average of your five closest humans. Uh, And if those people are super unhealthy, then you need a consistency club community, right? So the ultimate energy upgrade changes your entire outlook on yourself, your food, nutrition, your wellness, and of course, allows you to lose weight and be in control of your emotional eating and your food choices so you can finally feel amazing in your own skin. And that's the way that you get into the consistency club. So we do the core program first so that you gain the knowledge, the skills, and everything that is necessary to be able to make change. And then that gives you access to the Consistency Club so we can really support the creation of this new version of yourself. So I'd love to see you in that monthly membership.
membership because the truth is you hear me say all the time and you've probably listened to this podcast loads and think, Matty, there's so many tweaks. I don't have enough weeks to be able to get all of these tweaks done, right? (laughs) It's exactly why the Consistency Club exists because we need lots of weeks to keep tweaking our diet, keep tweaking our lifestyle, keep changing our perspective, keep upgrading and experimenting so that we really can evolve into what I call the new you the new evolution, the new version of you, which is a much better version, right? So if you're interested in being one of the people that I work with this year that then has access to the Consistency Club, this funny, hilarious, beautiful, amazing, safe space that has been created by these phenomenal humans that are on the inside, then scroll down to the show notes below and click the m.me link and that will take you to Messenger to a conversation with me. And yes, it's really me. Uh, And send me the word program. And we'll see if you're a good fit to get you started on your health journey. And if you are, off to the races, we will go. All right, team. So the carnivore diet. Right. All right. So let's start just straight up with uh, why did I do this? So like I said in the in the intro, there's so many benefits. I did an episode, episode 163 with a keto carnivore um, health coach and nutritionist. And so I've, I've just been hearing so much about it. Uh, I was like, I got to give this a go. Uh, I've tried veganism, I've tried basically heaps of diets um, and eliminating different things and adding different things and just to experiment because I think uh, after my journey uh, working in a research team at a hospital, the one thing that I learned is that academic opinion is only one way to look at a problem. Um, And so I'm really big on actually experimenting things, trying things to actually know how it feels, how much it costs. Is it doable? Is it sustainable? Where are the triggers? Where are the problems? And obviously that will be different for me compared to where it is for you, where all those different problems pop up. But I feel like if I've been there, done that, experienced it, then I know how to navigate it physically um, far better than just having knowledge or having read a textbook. So that's the main reason that I did it. Now, I did this with a couple of people... Uh, through January and the reason for January is because it was uh, World Carnivore Month. So I thought, why not? Let's give it a go. It's a perfect time to do it. Lots of people are trying it. Um, there's you know lots of information out there about it. So uh, I thought, let's give it a go. And some of the some of the things that sounded amazing to me, like there's thousands and thousands of anecdotes all over the internet about this diet. Um, like was digestion and gut issues, s- serious ones as well. Not just so you've got your constipation, your diarrhea, your bloating, your, you know pain when eating that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm also hearing massive improvements for things like SIBO and IBS and Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, like some serious, some serious, um, you know, gut issues, right? Um, and I've worked with uh, a couple of people with ulcerative colitis before, actually. And one of the ways that we recovered that situation was using um, basically meat only, but it was highly, highly nutritious liver. Um, and, you know, obviously, if you have that, don't dive in the deep end. It's a really complex health issue that can take a significant period of time to solve. Um, but it challenges the whole idea with these gut benefits that we need fiber for healthy digestion, um, which, you know, some of the carnivore doctors and some of the carnivore nutritionists say that fiber is a myth. Now, I don't have an opinion on this at this stage, uh, but We'll, we'll continue walk, walking through this and observing the, the, the literature and the experiences of people. Um, all right, another reason that blew my mind, and I put a few posts up on my Facebook account about updates through January, um, and I had a number of people respond saying that this was their experience. Autoimmune diseases basically completely disappearing, um, which is amazing. Or um, I had a couple of emails too, or being, you know, put on all these different medications and and, and, uh, diets and lifestyle things and all the stuff. Um, And 
the thing that reduced their symptoms, even even though it might not have gone away, was going all meat, which is it's pretty undeniable. If you live in a painful daily life and you do something that significantly reduces your pain, it's kind of like nobody cares what the blood work says. I feel better. <laughs> and I think I think that's you know a big part of the conversation is that we've got, you know, academics and doctors and medicine looking at problems from one single perspective. Um, and I even have people that knock on my door basically that say, you know, my numbers are this and I need to change that. And I say, how do you feel? And they're like, oh, I feel pretty good. And so it's just an interesting way to look at it. It's like, you know, if we let numbers rule our life, then we'll never be happy. Just the same thing that I coach people on with their scales, right? If that number on the scale dictates how you feel, even though you got up in the morning feeling great and then that number ruins your day, go with feeling great every time. (laughs) Trust me. Uh, Another one which is really famously uh, talked about is mental health benefits. Um, And I say famously because Jordan Peterson, and if you don't know who Jordan Peterson is, definitely Google Jordan Peterson. Um, He is basically the father that the modern world needed. Um, He's a psychologist. He's extremely deep, extremely wise, and extremely well-spoken. And I encourage you to listen to all of his Joe Rogan episodes. Just, he's just a beautiful human. Um, I mean, I'm not sure where you sit on the religious conversation, but he's just started coming out saying that he's decided to start believing in God. That's not my vibe, but look, everything he says is genius. Anyway, He's super famous and so is his daughter and both of them have healed their mental health and physical health issues and they had some serious stuff going on with uh, a carnivore diet. They basically eat only lamb now. Um, and why lamb? Because it's, it's fatty. Like we want good fat on a carnivore diet. So um, Jordan Peterson has made the anxiety, depression benefits of um, this extremely public. Um, and, and, and you could argue that that's probably because of the gut-brain connection, right? A lot of the things that we eat in a carbohydrate-rich world and a refined carbohydrate and damaged sugar world and artificial sugar world damages the gut. And so the vagus nerve, which connects, connects the gut to the brain, is sending broken signals and mixed messages and you could say that this is the benefit for um, a lot of um, you know carnivore or keto diets when people feel better is that the diet before was just so incredibly destructive it's like when somebody goes on any diet and eliminates you know the standard American diet or the standard Australian diet or the standard Canadian or British diet you know it's like doesn't matter which diet you went to if you cut out some of that shit it begins healing the gut uh, and the vagus nerve, the, the gut-brain connection starts sending healthier message, more succinct, cl- clear messages, and so we have better mental health. Um, and that's the same with the autoimmune disease that I mentioned before, that one of the things that I think with carnivore is that you're literally cutting out every inflammatory food that you could ever put in your body. Even greens are inflammatory. They have oxalates which can build up in our joints and different places in our body um, if we have too many of them. And some people have oxalate sensitivity or oxalate intolerance. um, And that depends on their gut microbiome and a few other things. But with autoimmune disease... These diseases, usually the diet that most practitioners will go to uh, is the AIP, the autoimmune protocol, which is essentially a low inflammatory diet full of plants, full of all sorts of different um, you know, meats and plants and different things. However, the carnivore diet eliminates every possible toxin every single one, every single inflammatory food because all inflammatory uh, compounds come from carbohydrates, right? So it's the same thing. When you eliminate the problem, of course the diet you're on is going to be feel amazing, right? Irrelevant of the diet that you went on. But in this case, autoimmune disease, I think that lack of inflama- inflammatory foods and trigger foods, which people don't even really know they have, uh, 
has been eliminated. And so you're like, whoa, I feel amazing. Um, so I think there's lots of reasons that, you know, the transition to a carnivore diet makes sense, right? Another one is improved skin conditions. People talk a lot about the fact that they just never had pimples again or their psoriasis cleared up or skin tags fell off or their eczema disappeared, right? So there's a lot of talk around this. Um, Same with joint inflammation. Um, And and so many of these things are experienced as benefits through my Ultimate Energy Upgrade program, especially like joint inflammation um, and and joint diseases as well. Um, And this could be related to the fact that um, on a carnivore diet, and by the way, the Ultimate Energy Upgrade and the Consistency Club is not about carnivore. It's not about any extreme diet. It's about creating a healthy lifestyle for the rest of your life. So, But the, all of these benefits are things that people experience throughout my program as well, right? Because we're getting control over our food choices and choosing to have foods that nourish and support us. Um, however, if somebody did want to go carnivore in that program, I would definitely support it. I would be like, let's experiment. Let's explore. Let's be curious. And let's learn some information. Of course, we've got metabolic syndrome, pre-diabetes, and diabetes, same thing. No carbohydrates, right? No carbohydrates. So it makes total sense. And fat loss, again, no carbohydrates, which are skyrocketing your insulin and your blood sugar and then putting this sugar into storage, which is the function of insulin. It one, puts it into storage and two, makes sure the fat stays in storage. However, it's important, I'm going to talk about this in a moment, um, that every macronutrient can lead to um, fat storage even protein. So even though carnivore is basically a mostly protein diet, protein and fat diet, these the fat and protein still have pathways that get to fat storage in a slightly different way to the way in which um, carbohydrates get into fat store. Fat Carbohydrates move rapidly into fat stores. Um, however, it takes protein a little longer and it's a non-preferential pathway. But if you have enough of it, it's still going to do it. And, and doing carnivore incorrectly, uh, which I learned about uh, throughout my month, uh, I definitely learned the types of meats and the types of foods that did spike my blood sugar, even though I was on a carnivore diet, right? So I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Um, and so, yeah, and of course, fat loss, right? So the good thing about eating high protein is that it's the most satiating nutrient. So you should, you know, you should eat a good amount of protein with every single meal, no matter what. And if you need, if you're craving or you're still not full, the thing that you should go back and eat and put on the plate as a second should be the protein. That's going to fill you up the most. That's going to mean the, the, the longest time between meals. Uh, it's really important that protein is prioritized, but you need to be careful because we're in this modern world where the health systems, the health organizations, um, the, you know, the, the mainstream uh, fast food, social media, uh, they're really, and all the governments are really perpetuating this idea of a plant-based diet. Even McDonald's um, and these fast food restaurants are, are being like, we offer you know, plant-based options. Um, that's not because it's healthy. They're giving you the illusion that it's healthy by saying we're plant-based, we're vegan, we're vegetarian. That All that is is marketing that tells you, the consumer, that these super toxic foods are becoming or businesses are becoming more health conscious and on the back end it's actually an economic decision because um, farming crops is cheaper than farming animal protein so it's it's really important to understand that this messaging that many of the world's governments are coming out with with eat less meat is an economic decision and not a health-based one Um, so yes that's take that home tell everybody (laughs) and you know, the way to save the world on the other side of that is to eat regeneratively. So get your meat from biodynamic and regenerative farms. 
that's the way to save the world. It's not to eat less meat because otherwise we've got a whole planet covered in monocrops then. We have the same problem in the opposite direction, right? Um, all right, so what was I doing before I started carnivore? So I tracked my blood sugar, right? I tracked my blood sugar and my ketones the entire um, experience um, so that I could know, compare it to where I was before. So beforehand, I was doing kind of like a low-carb flex diet. And what I mean by that is I generally eat kind of carnivore in the morning, carnivore or keto in the morning. I don't like the word keto because there's so many bloody terrible foods that have now got keto branding on them. Um, that are, Again, like the government's lying to you about plant-based food, so is the uh, keto industry with all their keto cookies and their keto cakes and all the keto bullshit. Anyway, technically, if we're talking academically, my morning breakfast is keto. <laughs> my and, and I usually have that around midday. I shouldn't say morning, but um, yeah. And, and so most of my meals are low-carb keto and I say flex because I do enjoy vegetables I do um, I do get a craving for them if I haven't had them for a while and so you know of an evening I might add, add in some veggies your above ground veggies sometimes I might add in some below ground veggies too which are your more dense uh, carbohydrates but I'll usually do that in the evening so that I don't pay the consequence of any energy slumps or any um, blood sugar roller coaster kind of scenarios and I say low carb flex because let's be honest I love a bit of chocolate and some cookies because I'm a fucking human. (laughs) I am not going to be one of those influencers that pretends that they are basically a psychopath and never have foods that are delicious. Uh, And that's one thing too we're trying to get off sugar is like, you know, don't lie to yourself about the fact that these sugars and foods are good. You enjoy them. You're just making a different decision. I think if we start lying to ourselves about, no, I never eat cookies or no, I'm not allowed to have them. They're terrible for you, blah, blah, blah. They are terrible for your health, but they, you know, they taste nice, right? <laughs> so I think, you know, the psychology, psychological perspective of that is to not lie about the food, but set a boundary with it, right? And that's what I do. I have healthy boundaries around these types of foods. Um, and so carnival month, what did I eat? Oh my God. It was actually like... I was expecting to really get sick of things, but I didn't. So I did it for about five weeks. So I did it into the first week of February as well. Um, And so what I ate was I ate lots of steak. I ate lots of beef mince. um, And I think it's really important if you're on a carnivore diet to eat nose to tail. So I added, uh, I had lots of lamb liver. I had lots of beef liver. I had a little bit of heart that I had left over in the fridge um, from the freezer rather from the months before. Uh, And the way that I go about that, by the way, is um, even if you're not on carnivore, you should be eating these types of foods, is to dice it up, literally dice it up, um, or you can do it into small chunks, like 100-gram chunks, put it in the freezer, and then just pull a chunk out and dice up that chunk every time you are doing a cook-up because you want to slowly condition your palate over time, but also in the beginning, it might be a bit overwhelming. So you want to get it in a small amount into foods that it's easily hidden, ideally herbs and spices to cover up the flavor, lots of salt. Mm ends up being delicious. Just the same as your kids started off hating all of these different types of food until you kept exposing them, kept exposing them, kept exposing them, and then finally they had it. And maybe even you as an adult, you can remember stuff that you didn't like 10 years ago. You've just got to condition your palate. And if you're interested in wellness and health, then conditioning your palate for these types of organ meats is really important. If you're on a carnivore diet, I highly 
believe and suggest and recommend that you eat nose to tail, so you must include organs. Um, I had lots of eggs for good fat. Um, I also learnt halfway through that um, a lot of carnivores include dairy, non-milk dairy, I should say. So I started adding cheese, um, so I added a bit of cheese in there, but what I did discover is that because I wasn't eating my normal fermented foods is that I actually reacted to the cheese. And by reacted means that I had to run to the toilet a few times throughout the month. So what was interesting is I've never had that kind of response to anything dairy-related. And when I realised all of these people in the carnivore community included that, I was like, oh, this is great. I've just made steak, which I freaking love, um, even better. I can add cheese this month. How amazing. And I did that. And off I went to the toilet pretty quickly, which was a bit, oh, it was a bit interesting. Um, so, but I stopped that basically. I did that for a couple of days uh, here and there uh, when I wanted to spice things up, <laughs> put some diversity in there. Um, but unfortunately, it just didn't didn't work well with me in the first two weeks. Um, and so, I what else did I eat? I ate everything you can imagine. I ate kangaroo, I ate chicken, I ate turkey, I ate um, uh, wallaby, I ate beef, I ate organs. Uh, lamb and beef organs um what else did i eat um definitely eggs i tried to put eggs on everything to make sure there was a good fat content um or like oil i obviously cooked in um animal fat so i I have um animal fat in the freezer from different bone broths and stuff so it's a good way to save your oils for cooking um i also used a bit of uh butter in there too to to cook with again because it was like at least i'm moving towards that animal protein type oil that's in the pan um uh again these are generally speaking i would not recommend dairy for most people uh, i think well we know we know academically that uh, 75 percent of the world's population don't actually have the genes to metabolize it correctly and even if you're not having a um a digestive consequence like i did in the first two weeks of carnivore month it's still causing inflammation right um for most people not everyone most people and there is of course the 25 percent that can do totally fine with it What I would say in my experience working with clients uh, is that if you can actually find the stuff that's not processed, it's actually pretty good. Like unprocessed milk, unpasteurized milk, it's actually pretty good. Um, So, I mean, there's lots of debates around whether people should suggest that, which is why I just say... Take dairy out for a month, two months. Let me know how you feel. I've never had somebody come back and say, I feel worse. Uh, Because usually it fixes people's guts doing that. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, 
Pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Um, anyway, what else did I eat? Um, I, I did lots of bone broth. Oh, I love bone broth. So I did lots of bone broth, bone marrow. I was really active in sucking the bone marrow out of the bones. I did ribs. I did all sorts of stuff. Um, anything I get my hands on. Sausages that did not contain any grains. So you'll find that almost every sausage you buy in a supermarket or at a butcher will have grains in it, will have a number of uh, chemicals in it, which help, you know, essentially, it's like caking agents. They hold them together. Um, however, if you find the right biodynamic or um, organic regenerative farm, regenerative being the op- operative word, uh, and the butcher comes from there, yeah, you will see often that um, these hot dogs and these sausages actually have nothing but meat in them, uh, which is amazing. And technically, traditionally, the wrapping of a sausage, the thing that you tie it up in and create a sausage, um, used to be, back in the day, uh, the lining of intestines, uh, another extremely healthy thing to be putting in your body. So sausages are on the menu, but you've got to be, you've got to be basically talking to the butcher about what's in them. Um, which you can do. The butcher usually will have a folder of the ingredients that are in everything um, and you can just ask to look at that folder. Um, so it was a good month. I actually di- didn't experience any um, like any real like, oh, I miss food kind of thing. Like I did towards the end. Um, but, what, but what I want to talk about now is the good and the interesting things that happened. Like what were they for me? Um, so I had absolutely zero sugar cravings the entire month. Like, I'm not even kidding. I expected coming off the back of Christmas and New Year, which, you know, I was with my family. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I was with my friends because I got uninvited from Christmas. So I wasn't with my family. But I spent a lot of time with friends. Um, and I, I, like I had beers, I had chocolate, I had cake, I had all the things, you know. Um, and I expected that, you know, the first week of Jan was going to be tough going from like, Carb City, Carbon Sugar City, um, to basically one of the most restrictive diets you can do. And it didn't happen at all. So that's just like a little, you know, a little star for me, a little gold star for me, because that means that my metabolic flexibility is, is exceptionally good. And that would be from years of fasting, basically, intermittent fasting, uh, that's which, which we learn how to master in the Ultimate Energy Upgrade program um, as specifically for women, and we navigate that hormonally because women aren't little men. Um, so that's a big part of the Ultimate Energy Upgrade program after we do the self, you know, identity, belief systems, mindset stuff, then we get into intermittent fasting from a hormonal perspective. Um, and so that, that gives you the ability to switch in and out of glycolysis and then ketosis. So burning sugar and carbs and then burning fat as fuel, right? So I was pretty happy that I was like, wow, okay, my metabolic flexibility is pretty good. Um, and this is a muscle that I've built up over the last 10 years of intermittent fasting, water fasting, um, different diets, just getting my cells and my body and my metabolism really flexible. And metabolic flexibility is absolutely a goal that everybody should have um, and, and want to achieve. And, and a healthy human Human, if you're a, a truly healthy human, this metabolic flexibility is a natural part of your cells. For many people in the beginning, that lack of metabolic flexibility is what is known as the keto flu because people can't, it's like the, the lever is rusted on the, on the sugar burning side. You can't switch it over. But over time, you start you know, oiling, that, uh, oiling it up, getting rid of the rust, um, and finally it becomes flexible, right? So I was pretty happy with that. No sugar cravings at all. So I switched into fat burning totally fine. Um, I, I was stoked the whole month. No sugar cravings. Didn't want, want a cookie. Didn't want anything like that. Um, I did sometimes because I was just like, ugh, like I'm pretty over meat. <laughs> 
on I had some days like that, but 99% of the time I was looking forward to the meal. I was like, oh, I can't wait. Like I love steak and I really do love steak. Um, yeah, another interesting benefit that I found was stable energy in the afternoon. So after the last two years, I kind of found that although my diet was pretty good in the last two years of the, the bullshit you know, shit we're going through in the world um, and, you know, being depressed and, and um, you know, feeling pretty grim a lot of times in the last two years because, uh, you know, the world is confronting and the truth on the level of truth that I am aware of, um, it's, it can be, you can have some bad days, put it that way. Um, but anywhere in the conversation you are, it was pretty grim in the last two years, right? So I found that I was basically having an emotional hangover mid-afternoons um, and so... What I noticed with the carnivore diet is that kind of t- mid-afternoon slump, which is definitely not from carbohydrates for me because I don't have them in my first meal at all, um, is basically it was an emotional thing. And it was starting to get better as you know November and December got, um, you know, got on because life started to progressively get back to some semblance of normal, um, which if you're you know, vaccinated, it is back to normal. Well, if you call showing your passport and showing your papers like they did in World War II, normal. Um, (laughs) But the point is that Carnivore actually eliminated that basically instantly. Um, it was amazing. Like, and, and I, I was like, wow, I wonder what's going on here. Um, and so, yeah, I put that down to just my microbiome being sh- like redesigned essentially and, and shuffled around a little bit because of the dietary change. Um, and because your, your stomach, your, your gut is where a lot of your happy and sad and stress hormones are released in abundance. Um, and so when you change that environment, things change. And therefore, obviously, like we touched on in the beginning, the gut-brain connection allows different messages to be sent via the vagus nerve to the brain and so this is what I'm guessing because I didn't study myself I wasn't hooked up to an ECG and uh, doing poop tests every day and all that kind of thing but that's what I'm guessing is that the, the the shift in my microbiome allowed a new a new set of messages to be sent or a clearer set of messages to be sent to my brain and so this brain fog wasn't happening uh, that I was having this emotional brain fog I was having mid-afternoon so that was amazing also what I loved about it, and I didn't expect to love this, is I actually loved the fact there was zero confusion. There was no label reading. There was no negotiating in my head because like, it was this one food group. You know, There was no label reading to be like, what's in this? Oh, I better Google that word. I've never seen that word before. Is this really natural? Is it not natural? Like, Apart from the sausages or burgers that you can buy like and have to look into, literally there's no confusion because uh, most diets have this really grey line where it's like, oh, maybe I should eat this, maybe, oh, no, can I eat that? Oh, and, and we all fall into this bargaining. So when we don't have clarity around what we want to do for ourselves, we fall into this bargaining, in the, whether we're in the chocolate aisle, whether we're in the frozen section, you know, whether we're even in a health store and we're like, oh, this kind of looks healthy but it's got some sugar in it or it's got some sweeteners in it or it's got a few chemicals in it that I don't really know and it's like, oh, yeah, but I'm... Oh, I probably can buy it because it's not too bad. It's kind of healthy. Uh, and then we do this bargaining, right? And you might be able to say right now, yep, Maddie, I do that bargaining all the time. So one of the, again, something we do in the program in the Consistency Club, we talk about this um, bargaining and how to no longer bargain because the adult version of you, and this will make sense once you go through the program, the adult version of you doesn't bargain right? The child part of you does, the parent part of you does um, because they're trying to take from you. 
The adult version of you allows a space to be created where you make an intuitively correct decision for your higher self. So I loved, the adult part of me, all parts of me loved that there was no mental calories spent on figuring out if food should be eaten. It was just black and white. I liked that. I did not expect to like that. Um, Another thing that was an interesting benefit was flatulence, farts and poop literally stopped having odor, like at all. I was like, whoa, that's super interesting. And, the, and the, I put that down to the fact that when we have plants in our diet, um, you know, we have insoluble fiber and it, it essentially ferments in the gut. Um, and the, we're told, and there's, there's a lot of debates in the space about the, the fiber myth, whether we actually need fiber or if it's a myth, um, because, you know, we know from listening to this podcast and going on the journey of discovery and research that many things we were told were myths because capitalism. But interestingly, I put this down, this lack of smell or lack of odor uh, when I go to the toilet or when, you know, past wind or anything like that is that there's nothing fermenting in my gut. There's nothing staying in my gut long enough to ferment, produce another bacterial species, produce another a gas that comes out of this fermentation process, which I found super interesting. I was like, wow, okay, I just noticed that that disappeared. Um, so there, there's some of the positive benefits that I experienced. And what were the bad or weird things? So the first two weeks, um, I definitely had loose bowels. There was the first two weeks, and that wasn't just cheese-related uh, when, ha- when I did try cheese a couple of times. But the first two weeks, my gut was all over the place. Um, and look, with every diet, every dietary change, I would expect that. Uh, I would definitely expect people to have loose bowels because your microbiome needs to shift and adjust to the new diet in order to get things back to normal. So that was a normal experience, but for me, uh, like normal dietary change experience, but for me, my my health generally for the most part is 95 to 99% perfect all of the time. I'm very fortunate. Um, I've definitely got issues and I've definitely got stuff that's a problem for me uh, based on, you know, poor decisions I made earlier in my life. Um, I definitely have some gut problems, uh, which I'll do another episode at some point on that, which is one of the ways that I got into health and nutrition, just being aware of, you know, going to the toilet and shitting blood isn't that normal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll talk about all that on another episode because I think basically every man and that you know is in the Western world um, and most women, if not all women, need to hear that episode. Anyway, um, I just wanted to share that with you so you didn't weren't like, oh, Maddie, you can do whatever you want. You're like this young, healthy guy. I, I the reason I got here is because yeah. I had some shit go on too. Um, Anyway, so the first two weeks, loose bowels as expected. And then in the last sort of week and a half to two weeks, it started to get totally back to normal to the point that I was like back to a number four on the Bristol chart. A Bristol chart is a poop chart that a doctor or a nutritionist or a dietitian will use will use in order to uh, distinguish where you're at or what you're experiencing with your bowel movements to understand what's going on there. So, um, so that was, yeah, that was, a super interesting uh, part of it, I guess, is that, yes, it, it did go like that for two weeks, but then we got back to normal. Um, and obviously, as I already mentioned, it kind of uncovered this dairy issue or this react- gut reaction to dairy that I d- don't know I had. I actually think that might have changed if um, I had have done it longer because a lot of people say don't do it just for you know a month. They say do it for three to six months because it takes... And the autoimmune sufferers that I know have found that too. First month, like even with women, period disappeared. All sorts of different things happened whilst they figured out 
how to get it nutritionally right. And the way to do that is usually to add more fat and to add organs. Um, but after that first month, things started to level out and they, in three to six months, they experienced the best health they've ever had, which is amazing. Um, so that was interesting about dairy and I suspect once rebuilding the gut in the, the last two weeks and then the months after, I actually would have been fine. I noticed towards the end, I actually had a craving for cherry tomatoes and broccoli. So that was random. <laughs> um, it popped up maybe once or twice. And I also, blood sugar spikes. So whenever I ate chicken, whenever I ate lean meat, just, so mainly just protein and a tiny amount of fat, my blood sugar would spike massively. So many people don't know that protein will actually spike your blood sugar if it's not in the presence of enough fat. So I was monitoring my blood sugar and my ketones and I was basically the same all month except the times that I had a big big feast on chicken. The, the, the next day, literally 16 to 18 to 20 hours later, my blood sugar would be high. And what I mean by high is high for me, someone who's metabolically healthy and fit. And so, you know, I was registering about 6.5 when most days I would fluctuate between uh, about 4.9 and 5.4. That's me every day of the week, basically, somewhere in there. Um, With ketones of about 0.7 to to 1-ish. So that's about me, except except the days that I did um, chicken or I did even kangaroo. Kangaroo and wallaby are extremely lean meats. Um, So when I had those without enough fat, this is why I started adding eggs to everything, to making sure I was getting good fat, to making sure I was putting putting, um, uh, some of the animal fat as, and mixing it into what I was eating, again, to add increase the fat content because I didn't want to spike blood sugar. However, spiked blood sugar isn't the worst thing. However, if it sets you off on a roller coaster to, and you've got issues with being overweight, you've got issues with being uh, in any situation where your metabolism is needs help, your gut needs help or anything like this, having a stable and consistent blood sugar is a good idea, but you absolutely do not need to eat and have snacks you know, six times a day to be able to do that. That message that you get from the system is a carbohydrate-driven message and I'm yet to find somebody that it helps. So trust me, you don't need to do that to have stable blood sugar. You need to eat proper meals two to three times a day and that's it. You've got to get enough protein and enough fat and you will be totally fine. In the beginning, if that's new, it's going to be a bit wonky. You're going to feel a bit, you're going to feel these drops in blood sugar. That's going to happen. Again, there's always an adjustment phase. If a, if a diet works within two weeks, it's highly likely that it won't work really soon because you adapted way too quick. You want slow progress. You want slow progress over time, right? Otherwise, it's not sustainable. Um, what else? Fiber. Yeah, so there's, a, there's this myth. I mean, people often like, what about fiber? There's definitely a myth that you need this, uh, you know, you need this to have a diverse microbiome. However, my quick theory is that, you know, you don't need a diverse microbiome when you're only putting one food group in, right? However, that also poses the question in my mind, if the microbiome is not diverse and our immune system hangs out in our gut alongside the microbiome and as part of the microbiome, Yes, we might not need a diverse diverse microbiome for our dietary choices, but are we limiting and restricting the capacity or potential for our immune system to be diverse in its ability to function against different pathogens and different viruses and different bacteria? That's just a question. Nobody's studied it. We don't really know, but that's just where my brain's going. So would I do it again? 100%. In fact, I'm actually curious to do it for a longer period of time because so many benefits are recorded after the first month, after the gut has adapted. So I would definitely do it. And I want to try it for maybe like three months. Um, Yeah, and I really think anyone that tries it, me included, 
more organs, you know, more more bone broth. I mean, I, I smashed bone broth already, um, but more bone marrow particularly. So I really want to give it a go again. It felt good. The gut adjusted. I felt it felt easy. You know, it was it was amazing. I loved it. So who should do it? If you're thinking you should do it, I would say move slowly towards it. Don't just dive in. Otherwise, you're on another yo-yo diet, right? So if you're someone that has emotional eating issues or you've got a history of yo-yo dieting or you've got a history of being all in or all out, that kind of approach, then I would say don't do an extreme restrictive diet. The carnivore diet goes against all of my philosophies for anyone that has an emotional or psychological attachment to food in an unhealthy way. That's the reason I'm so anti-yo-yo diet and anti these types of things. The only way that I think you should enter any of this type of behavior is if you have a healthy relationship with food and you have healthy boundaries and you're able to manage yourself. And most of us are not. Most of us are not. And the truth is that I think the best thing for humans and the planet is probably an omnivore diet, which is both plants and meat, uh, because most people aren't going to eat nose to tail. Most people are not going to eat this way. So I think it's important to, for us to pick the plants that we consume wisely, things like fermented foods, sauerkraut. Uh, and that's the other thing. Our history, like in our history, um, people fermented foods. Thousands of years ago, people treated food the way it's meant to be treated. So this, I think this functions as the, in the same way that elimination diets do. You got rid of the modern shit that is in your diet and you added in some healthy natural stuff that's been around for literally millions of years, feeding humans and their microbiome for millions of years. The food we've put in in the last 50 is quite clearly literally fucking killing us. So, you know, I think that it comes down to that. It's not necessarily that plants should be vilified. It's that what we've done to plants and the way that we create quote unquote plant-based products uh, and all the you know, all the um, toxins that go into them and all this damaged soil and the nutritional deficiencies in the soil, all of this plays into the fact that people feel amazing on a carnivore diet because all of the plants are fucked. <laughs> not, they're not all fucked. That's why we've got regenerative farms. That's why I've got organic farms. That's why you, I should encourage you to grow stuff at home. My parents have always grown stuff at home and I went home recently and we're in, was in the garden with them. They've got a kind of a mini orchard um, and they've got a massive veggie garden. So it's amazing. All these are answers to more helpful plants. However, I do have the belief currently, which may change, you know, don't attach yourself to beliefs too much because shit changes. I do have the belief that I think animals in their entirety, nose to tail, is probably one of the best ways that we can eat as a major portion of our diet. However, we need to create a world where obviously regenerative farming is a thing. So if you're someone that has an autoimmune disease or a chronic disease and you've tried everything, Give this a go. But remember, you need to include organs. Some people say you don't. The nutritionist in me says you do. If you want good health, don't include organs. If you want great health, include organs, whether you're carnivore or not. These should be in your diet. Think about how much of the animal, every animal that we sacrifice in order for humans to live, all of the organs go to waste and they're literally the most important part of the animal. Like so much of that stuff ends up getting put into the food system in random ways when we could just go go to the butcher, buy it. You can ask him to grind it, get it ground so you can add it into mints, hide it in different foods. It's so good for you. So remember, the people I think should do it are people suffering that have tried lots of things that need to ex- try a new experiment. The people that should not do it are people that have issues with emotional eating or yo-yo dieting or going in and out or, or have an inability to lay down boundaries in a healthy way. Um, and I mean that in all aspects of your life because you know, I believe how you do anything is how you do everything, right? So 
ex- explore this, experiment with it. I think it should be cyclical as well. I think we can't, you know, do these things forever because we our, our body needs diversity um, and it needs change because we go through a diverse and changing world. Um, so this was my experience. I felt good. I enjoyed it. Um, I don't want to do it forever because I genuinely missed some of the carbohydrates uh, plants like cherry tomatoes and broccoli and sauerkraut. I think fermented sauerkraut is one of the best things you can put in your body alongside with liver. Um, so I really did miss these things. So... That's my experience. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, if you've got any ideas, share them in our Facebook group. Links down below if you're uh, wanting to jump into either of the Facebook groups that we've got. Um, if you want to learn about the program, the m.me link down below. Remember, send me the word program. We'll get that conversation started. And if you've enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot, share it into your social media stories, tag me on whichever platform you are on. Um, obviously, I'm not on Instagram, being deplatformed because di- digital dictatorship. However, <laughs> I'm on the other digital dictatorship which is facebook so tag me there um and yeah i hope to hear your stories and your thoughts about this way of eating whether what i've said resonates whether it lands whether it doesn't and if you know a family member that's sick and's tried lots of things and supplements and naturopaths and all the practitioners share this episode with them and share episode 163 with them as well where we talk about carnivore too so i'm super curious to see how you go with it anyhow gang i'm out for this one and i look forward to seeing you on the next episode Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use, and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.